What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And futures this morning are falling. S&P futures down 1.1%, down 44 points. Dow futures down 1.1%, or 367 points. And NASDAQ futures down three-quarters of a percent, or 87 points this morning. And we check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg Radio. The DAX in Germany is down eight-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury down 12.30 seconds. Yield 3.49%. The yield on the two-year, 4.25%. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.8% at $1.39 at 74 $4.72 a barrel. COMEX gold up a quarter percent or $4.60 at $17.92.50 an ounce. The euro 1.0633 against the dollar. British pound 1.2189. The yen is at 137.04. And Bitcoin is down 2.2% at about $17,000. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan. All right, Karen. Thank you. It is 656 on Wall Street. Bloomberg surveillance is up next. But first, we take a look at some of the names moving in the pre-market. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Critty Gupta is with us now. Uh, Creedy, I don't know what your most active security screen looks like, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of green out there this morning. No, a lot of pain across the board, and I would argue it's almost worse because there's some real pain in those big tech names. Surprise, surprise. Now, remember, for yeah. a big, uh, sustainable kind of turnaround that we are looking for in the stock market, or even a Santa rally, you want your gains to be pretty big, and that includes a lot of the big tech names. Of course, we are not seeing that this morning. Let me give you an example here. Amazon shares, AMZN, this morning, it is dropping by about seven-tenths of one percent. Now, the good news here is that it was much, much lower. It was down almost two percent earlier in the session. Some of those losses are getting paired. But this comes after J.P. Morgan cut its price target on the stock to $130 from 145 primarily due to the AWS revenue, their cloud business, basically, saying that that revenue is decelerating. They're also expecting margin compression and challenging macro conditions. Sound familiar? We've heard mm-hmm. this kind of uh, before quite a bit. But look, they're talking their price target about $130 on the stock. And right now it's trading about 87 So they are still bullish, just not as bullish as they used to be. Although it's interesting, Creedy, we're seeing one other tech name start to move higher on a uh, change in an analyst recommendation, sort of a fundamental story for meta platforms. And really being rewarded in the stock market. META is your ticker, up about 2.1% in the pre-market. Shares trading about 118.64 this morning. J.P. Morgan raising the recommendation on the stock. Once again, J.P. Morgan moving markets this morning. Raising the recommendation (laughs) on the stock to overweight from neutral. Uh, their reasoning is increased cost discipline and a more favorable revenue outlook. Now, this is really important because one of the issues that Meta Platforms has had and really been punished for from the stock has been this idea that the metaverse and the investment that's going to take to really uh, not just rebrand, but to really actively invest in that business model is going to take a lot. And they don't actually have that kind of money uh, to, to really spend, given that they are still working on essentially their social media business, the WhatsApp, mm-hmm. the Facebooks, the Instagrams. Um, nevertheless, they are saying, 
saying that, look, they can make this work, and that is a good thing, especially in this environment. So Meta, like I said, really getting rewarded. And remember, it's in the backdrop of features down 1.1%. So this is right. an extra boost to see it higher by about 2%. And just quickly, Creedy, uh, what's going on with Landvin? That's like right up top of the uh, biggest gainers this morning. I'm so glad you said it and I didn't have to because I Googled the French pronunciation. I was like, I can't say that. I'm Is it Lanvin or something like something that? Something very fancy Ugh. that I'm just not even going to attempt. But oh, A-L-A-N-V well. is your ticker. It actually just went public yesterday. Now, this is really important. The shares are up 46%, seeing a lot of volatility there. Yesterday, the stock bounced as much as 50 to 130%. So really keep an eye on these shares. Merci. <laughs> Bloomberg Radio and TV markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. Futures moving lower. S&P futures down 44. Dow futures down 368. NASDAQ futures are lower by 90 points this morning. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager along with Karen Moscow. It is 659 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Surveillance with Jonathan Farrow and Elisa Abramowitz starts right now. Live from the financial capital of the world, broadcasting across the globe, this is WBBR New York, Bloomberg 1130. Inflation has turned, but there is evidence that it is. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow, and futures are falling this morning, but they are off the lows of this session. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call, and here's Tatiana Darier. Tatiana, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Like you said, it's still a risk off on Wall Street with Dow and S&P futures down 1%, while NASDAQ is lower by six tenths. The 10-year Treasury yield is higher by five basis points to three spot, 49% this morning. Oil is down two, and Bitcoin also under pressure, hovering just above 17,000. Elsewhere, European stocks are lower at this hour, while Asian stocks were mixed overnight. Back in the U.S. on the economic front today, we have S&P Global PMIs at 9.45. In early trading this morning, Meta is up 2% after an upgrade from J.P. Morgan, citing increased cost discipline and a better revenue outlook, and Adobe is up 4 after earnings beat estimates last night. Also in deal news, private equity firm Advent International agreed to buy Maxar Technology for $4 billion. And wrapping things up here, Delta Airlines and American Air both upgraded at Goldman. Live from the first and breaking news desk, I'm Tatiana Daria. Karen. Tatiana, thank you. And to hear live breaking news of your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK, that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Amy Morris with more on what's going on around the world. Amy. All right, thank you, Karen. Ukrainian authorities have reported explosions in at least three cities, saying Russia has launched a major missile attack on energy facilities and infrastructure. One Ukrainian Air Force spokesman says Russia has now fired more than 60 missiles. The annual number of new Parkinson's disease cases in the U.S. is likely 50 percent higher than estimated. A new study predicts the number of Americans diagnosed with Parkinson's will reach 90,000 this year. In sports, the Caps, Bruins and Devils lose. The Rangers win. The World Cup final between Argentina and France is set for Sunday. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take Power. 
powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Karen. Oh, yeah, looking forward to that game, Amy. All right, thank you. It is 642 on Wall Street, and we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT offers New Jersey's first undergraduate degree in fintech. Tech-driven, finance-focused, what will you make at NJIT? Learn more at njit.edu slash fintech. Now here's us making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Fusion power plants are possible on the electricity grid within the next decade, which could supply a limitless amount of carbon-free power, according to former U.S. Energy Secretary Ernest Moniz. The comments come after scientists in California managed for the first time to generate more energy from a fusion reaction than they needed to trigger it. The U.K. has begun talks on a scientific cooperation deal with Japan it hopes to sign in May, the U.K.'s science and technology minister said, as the country remains blocked from Horizon, the EU's key research funding program post-Brexit. And trade groups representing Meta and Alphabet say they asked the Supreme Court to overturn a Texas law that would sharply restrict the editorial discretion of social media companies. The appeal contends the law violates the First Amendment by forcing social media companies to disseminate what they see as harmful speech and putting platforms at risk of being overrun by spam and bullying. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Yeah, that could be a case to watch for sure. Thank you, Karen. We're coming up to 644 on Wall Street. Now it's time to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include the Pentagon revving up U.S. Ukraine weapons aid as Russian missile barrages continue. The Senate passing a one-week spending bill to avert a Saturday shutdown. President Biden saying he will visit Africa to extend U.S. influence on the continent. And a, a big vote of confidence for the president from Democratic congressional leadership. Let's bring in Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins for more on some of these stories. Emily, good morning. It seems as though the bombardments from Russia on Ukraine's energy infrastructure aren't letting up. And now we are seeing movement from the Pentagon to really ramp up defenses. Yes, Nathan. I mean, remember that Biden has said that the U.S. is going to continue to supply Ukraine with weapons to fight Russia for as long as it takes. There is still a high level of bipartisan support in Washington to continue supporting Ukraine. We expect to see that continue um, into the next Congress, even with some shifts in leadership. But part of the equation here is, of course, just simply the, the supply side of things. We've heard so much about supply chain demands and backlogs, and that is something that still affects the defense industry. And so you're seeing the Pentagon really look at its procurement process and how it's making its acquisition offers. And they're actually Bloomberg's reporting that the Pentagon is finding ways to sort of do some shortcuts to standard contracting procedures just to make sure that the U.S. weapons supply still remains strong, uh, even as they continue to supply Ukraine with the more weapons they need. Clearly, this, this fight is continuing on in Ukraine, uh, that there's not a, a foreseeable end date at this point. Um, and it's just, it, you know, very notable um, that to make sure that both Ukraine and the U.S. are having its defense needs met, uh, the Pentagon is now doing things like having some uh, parts delivered uh, via contracts before the contract terms and prices are really finalized. And this is just being done in in the light of the fact that this contra- conflict in Ukraine might last for some time, but, but the U.S. wants to continue to be there and be supportive uh, of Ukraine. 
And of course, as you know, Emily, defense spending every year is a major part of the negotiations, the debate that goes on in Washington over full year spending for the federal government. And now it looks like officially uh, lawmakers are giving themselves uh, just a little bit more time to uh, iron out their differences here. Yeah, this initial uh, temporary spending bill was going to end today, but we're not going to have a shutdown. Uh, the House and the Senate have both passed a temporary stopgap that will lead us to December 23rd, getting a little close, close to Christmas there. Oh boy. Uh, but lawmakers say that they, they have come up uh, with an agreement. Uh, we are expecting to learn more details this weekend and see it voted on next week. So there is still potential that we are going to be seeing the government fully funded just in time for Christmas Eve. Is there going to be full funding? I mean, there was some of that debate, uh, particularly on the Republican side, that they want an even longer stopgap so that they can take control of Congress, at least in the House, and uh, put forward their own full year spending bill. Is that still part of the debate? There are certainly Republicans who want to see that happen. And, and let's be clear, in the House, you have Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, who has said, you know, that he does not support uh, that this this year-long spending bill, he's whipping against it. He's urging his colleagues to vote no. Many of them are. But it's a completely different story over in the Senate, where Mitch McConnell has said that he has a deadline of passing uh, this funding package by next Thursday. And so he's basically leaving the door open. And a number of lawmakers, Democrats and Republicans alike, who work very closely on this package, say that they want to get it done. I mean, for certain folks like Richard Shelby, uh, Republican uh, senator, he He's retiring and, you know, appropriations funding the government. It's been a lot of his work in Congress, and he wants to leave with a mission complete on his end. Now, last minute here, Emily, of course, we know that President Biden is planning on uh, formally announcing a decision on reelection after the holidays. It looks like he's getting even more support ahead of that decision. Yeah, you've had a number of lawmakers come out and say that they will continue to support Biden. He got two very big endorsements in his corner, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Of course, Pelosi will be stepping down as Speaker uh, next year and stepping down from Democratic leadership. But she's still a very strong voice within the Democratic Party, certainly an incredibly prolific fundraiser. That's always important when it comes to politics. Um, and both of them uh, have said recently that they uh, – would support Biden, that he said they think he's done an excellent job and that they hope that he does run for re-election. Just about 30 seconds left here, Emily. Is there still that same level of support from the younger generation that Pelosi is moving aside to bring forward? There definitely are some younger lawmakers who have said that they think that Biden has done a good job and should continue to run. Uh, you have other lawmakers who, who have spoken up and said, you know, that they think that it is time for a younger person or Democrats to look at potential other candidates. I, I think at this point, a lot of them have been able to sort of decline being on the record just because it's still a hypothetical at this point. Biden has not yet formally announced for 2024, even though he has alluded to multiple times that he will continue to, to run. And, and that he plans to campaign for a second term. I'm sure you're going to be uh, doorstopping on Capitol Hill to get some of those uh, younger lawmakers on the record. Thank you, Emily. As always, Bloomberg Government Congressional Reporter Emily Wilkins with us from the nation's capital. Read more at Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington at Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Futures moving lower. This is Bloomberg. 
markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. JCF's donor-advised fund is the smart, tax-efficient way to manage your philanthropy. Open a JCF fund now to lock in a 2022 tax deduction. Visit jcfny.org. And U.S. stock index futures are falling this morning with S&P futures down 43 points or 1.1%. Dow futures down 1% or 346 points. And NASDAQ futures down eight-tenths of a percent or 91 points. The 10-year Treasury down 1332nd yield 3.49%. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Amy Morris with more on what's going on around the world. Amy. Thank you, Karen. The White House is encouraging Americans to get their updated COVID-19 vaccine to prevent the spread of the virus over the winter. White House COVID-19 response coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha says COVID cases and hospitalizations are on the rise across the country. Confidential data of about 112,000 taxpayers inadvertently published by the IRS over the summer was mistakenly published again in late November, including names and contact information. In sports, the Caps, the Bruins, the Devils all lose. Rangers win. The World Cup final between Argentina and France set for Sunday. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Amy. It's 623 on Wall Street. I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's move to commodities now. It's been a tumultuous year for the asset class, marked by surging prices tied in part to the war in Ukraine. And 2023 is set to be another banner year. That's the view from Jeff Curry, head of commodities research at Goldman Sachs. He expects commodities, in fact, to be the best performing asset class next year. Curry sat down with Bloomberg's Alex Steele and Guy Johnson to explain. Let's listen in. Deb, this is a pretty awesomely bold call. Um, where are we in the cycle that leads you to such bullishness? Bold call. Let's remember, oil's trading with a 50 ball, so 43% is not even a one standard deviation. Fair, band. fair. So, that's just, uh, you know, remember, we just did 12 bucks to the downside last week and rebounded six and down another two today. So, um, and I think, you know, when we look at, Go back to our call for a super cycle back in October 2020. You had 42% returns in 2021. You know, so far we're headed towards somewhere around 23, 24% returns in, in um, 2022. So this is a continuation of the strong returns that we've been seeing over the last several years. I mean, bottom line, when we think about what a super cycle really is, it's not this big upward trend in prices that we have envisioned in our head. It's a sequence of spikes. And because commodity prices perform an economic function, they have to rebalance supply and demand, bring them back in a line when they get out of line like they did at the end of 2021 in the early part of this year. Well, markets are rebalanced right now today. Why? Because China is being locked down. So demand came back down on top of supply, prices collapsed back down. But we have not been investing in supply Supply is stagnant. So I have to just simply ask what happens when China, the largest commodity consumer in the world, the largest oil importer in the world, begins to rebound significantly in the first part of next year. It's going to tighten all of these markets tremendously and put a lot of upward pressure on prices. And I think the key point is 
you know, you basically have the largest, you know, commodity consumer in the world essentially hibernating over the course of the last year. And that's been hiding a lot of this underinvestment. So really the core point here, underinvestment, weak demand today, but we see sequential growth in 2023. It begins to tighten these markets. Yeah. One last point, inventories have been exhausted. Mm-hmm. Jeff, let's talk about that China, China narrative. We are seeing a huge 180. They are reopening. But what comes with that is likely to be a huge pickup in cases. We're starting to see data being crunched on that, and the numbers look pretty bad. How should we be thinking about the China reopening, therefore? Is it going to be similar to the one that we experienced, I stop, start, stop, start? And, and kind of how does that work? How does that impact the commodity price? Um, I think oil is a testament to it. It's going to be a really rough, bumpy start at the very beginning. But when so oil is doing like this, you know, each week, big violent moves because, you know, you're going to have your fits and starts, stops and stops. But when you take markets like oil equities or copper, they're more forward looking. They're looking into March, April of next year. As a result, they don't have that same kind of noise. And that's Jeff Curry, head of commodities research at Goldman Sachs, speaking with Bloomberg's Alex Steele and Guy Johnson. You can catch more of that conversation on Bloomberg.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal. This morning, concern about rising interest rates and the outlook for policy is putting pressure on energy commodities. Looking at uh, NYMEX crude, West Texas Intermediate is down 2.1% or $1.59, trading at seventy four fifty two a barrel. Brent, the international benchmark, is down 2.1% as well, down $1.60. 74, trading at 79.47. Futures moving lower as well. S&P futures down 43 points. Dow futures down 352. And NASDAQ futures are lower by 92 points. Ten-year Treasury yield 3.49%. We'll check your top stories, local headlines, and a full check of markets straight ahead. First, a look at your Bloomberg weekend weather forecast. Low pressure developing south of the region, responsible for the rainy, breezy weather today. Highs are going to reach 45 to 50 this afternoon. The rain ends the showers during the evening and actually starts to clear later tonight, lows near 35. High pressure is headed our way for the upcoming weekend. We're partly to mostly sunny, breezy tomorrow, 40 to 45. Sunshine Sunday, highs will be 35 to 40. I'm Rob Carolyn with your three-day forecast on Bloomberg 1130. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's coming up on 630 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Yeah, we are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things that you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by IBKR. Investment advisors switch to interactive brokers for lowest cost global trading and turnkey custody solutions. No ticket charges and no conflicts of your interests at IBKR.com slash RIA. Up first, U.S. stock index futures are lower as concerns linger over central bank tightening. Only home builders, health care and oil and gas companies posted gains in yesterday's session. And the energy sector could be poised for more outsized returns in the coming year. That's the view from Goldman Sachs Head of Commodity Research, Jeff Curry. 
You had 42% returns in 2021. You know, so far we're headed towards somewhere around 23, 24% returns in, in uh, 2022. So this is a continuation of the strong returns that we've been seeing over the last several years. Jeff Curry with Goldman Sachs believes commodities could be the best-performing asset class next year. As for global stocks, Karen, they're headed for a weekly slide as the Fed, Bank of England, and European Central Bank dash hopes for more dovish policy. Megan Green, global chief economist at Kroll Institute, says despite the hawkish rhetoric, inflation could prove sticky. I think the Fed is really concerned that it will be stickier than the markets seem to be pricing in, and I, I think that's reasonable. The big question is why the Fed didn't think that three months ago with their previous um, economic projections, and, and the Fed doesn't really clarify that. Megan Green with Kroll Institute made the comments on Bloomberg's balance of power with David Weston. You can catch the show weekdays at noon Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, turning to politics now, Nathan, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer are saying President Biden should run for re-election in 2024. The support pushes back against some Democrats urging the party to elevate a younger generation of leaders. Staying in D.C., uh, Karen, Congress is working on two bills that would limit or ban the use of TikTok. Florida Senator Marco Rubio's bill would totally ban the social media app. He's concerned about China's access to users' private information. Well, turning to Twitter now, Nathan, Elon Musk is making moves again to regulate content on the platform. Twitter is suspending the accounts of several journalists. And Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with that story. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Elon Musk suspended reporters from several outlets for posting real-time locations of his private jet, though tracking planes is available through public flight data. Musk says the accounts violated Twitter's policy on doxing, a term used for exposing private information about someone with the intent to subject them to harassment. Musk tweeted reporters received a seven-day timeout, adding, some time away from Twitter is good for the soul. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Steve, thank you. That's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. S&P futures are down 42 points, Dow futures down 342. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 631 on Wall Street. Amy Morris is back with us for what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Nathan. Connecticut is reporting its first pediatric death of this flu season. Health officials say a child under the age of nine has passed away in New Haven County. Officials are urging everyone over the age of six months old to get a flu shot as soon as possible. This as health officials are also worried about a COVID surge emerging in New York City. Epidemiologist Eric Feigelding tells ABC... Masking is really just part of it. Masking is only one element of the total strategy to mitigate against COVID. There's also testing, which the White House has just announced um, free testing um, kits mailed to every address in America. Cases and hospitalizations are on the rise after Thanksgiving gatherings. The Senate passed a funding bill to keep federal government operating for another week. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says this gives lawmakers a little more time to pass a year-long spending bill before they leave for that holiday break. Next week, hopefully, we'll finish the job passing a package that will keep the government fully funded into next fall. The new deadline is December 23rd. A woman from Edison, New Jersey, is among four people charged with providing financial assistance to Islamic State. Seema Rahman is charged with providing material support to a foreign terrorist organization. Authorities say she and three others used cryptocurrency, GoFundMe, and PayPal to raise what they call blood money. Legislation prompted by Gabby Petito's murder is waiting for President Biden's 
signature now. Parents of the New York native are backing the Help Find the Missing Act, which requires information on missing people to be entered into the FBI's internal database and then shared with the Department of Justice's public database. Under state law, New York is already required to share information on the missing. New Jersey and Connecticut are not. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Amy. Almost 6.34 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashar. Thanks, Nathan. So many teams have been shelling out so much money. And the Yankees did commit $360 million, but they already had Aaron Judge. The Yanks had not added anyone of real significance, and now they have. Carlos Redon's ERA in each of the past two seasons was under three. 30-year-old lefty comes to the Yanks for a six-year, $162 million deal. Redon wants the fourth overall pick of the draft back in 2014 by the White Sox. Spent this past season with the Giants. He could be facing them in his Yankee debut. That's who the Yanks open the 2023 season against. Knicks and Rangers have both now won five games in a row. The Knicks bring that streak into a game tonight in Chicago where they won in overtime just two nights ago. Rangers just beat Toronto 3-1 at the Garden in three of the five wins in the streak. Rangers allowed only one goal. As for the Devils, they went a span of over seven weeks, losing only three times. They've now dropped four games in the past week, beaten by Philadelphia 2-1, to one, even though the Devils outshot the Flyers 49-24. to 24. Brock Purdy, the NFL's only undefeated quarterback, last player taken to the draft. He's gone from third string to first in his first ever road game, a 21-13 49er victory at Seattle. That's the Niners' seventh win in a row. In that streak, they're allowing only 11 points a game. San Francisco clinches the NFC West. The Seahawks slump continues. That helps the Giants in their quest to make the playoffs. There's an NFL triple header tomorrow. Sunday, the Jets home for Red Hot Detroit. And then Sunday night, the Giants, a big game at Washington. John's Dash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. 635 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air. From San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong, let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potis on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about the impact of California slashing incentives for homeowners and businesses to install rooftop solar. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Mortgage rates dropping for a fifth straight week to 6.31%. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm talking about some McDonald's investors saying the company did not get nearly enough money from its former CEO when he agreed to return money to settle claims he was sexually involved with subordinates. I'm Caroline Hepgorn. Bloomberg DAB Radio in London. We've been reporting on gloomy UK confidence figures, the worst run in 50 years as inflation bites. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting a former Macy's store in Sheffield Township is becoming a facility for Acorn stair lifts. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's coming up to 6.37 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For all the acrimony surrounding immigration, Americans generally support two goals, giving undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children a pathway to legal status and securing the border. With only days left in the current Congress, 
lawmakers have an opportunity to deliver a breakthrough on both priorities. A proposal by Senators Tom Tillis and Kirsten Sinema would provide a path to citizenship for some two million undocumented immigrants known as Dreamers, who've lived in the U.S. for much of their lives. It would also extend a rule that allows for the expedited removal of border crossers for at least a year. The framework produces solid wins for each party. At the same time, neither side gets everything it wants. That's the sign of a good compromise, and Congress should get it done. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg opinion, please go to bloomberg.com/opinion or opingo on the Bloomberg terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion, and you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at opingo. Looking ahead to the market open, it's looking like losses. S&P futures down 43 points. Dow futures are lower by 355, and Nasdaq futures on the decline by 83 points. Now, the 10-year Treasury is down 13.30 seconds, yield 3.49%. The yield on the two-year, 4.24%. 6.38 on Wall Street. Up next on Daybreak, we head to the nation's capital. Efforts to race weapons to Ukraine and a big vote of confidence for President Biden from congressional leadership. Bloomberg government's Emily Wilkins joins us next. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, December 16th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Uncertainty in markets over Fed tightening concerns. Democratic leaders back a Biden run in 2024. A crackdown on TikTok gains steam in Congress. And Twitter suspends some accounts covering Elon Musk. I'm Amy Morris. New York City is cracking down on unlicensed cannabis products, while the state is prohibiting pet stores from selling cats and dogs. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Yankees have signed free agent pitcher Carlos Redon. The Rangers won. The Devils lost. The 49ers won in Seattle. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And futures this morning are falling. We check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg Radio. S&P futures are down one and a third percent on 53 points. Dow futures down one and a quarter percent or 420 points. And NASDAQ futures down one percent or 118 points. The DAX in Germany is down 1.2 percent. Ten-year Treasury down 13.30 seconds. Yield 3.49 percent. And the yield on the two-year 4.25 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down two and a half percent. Nathan. Yeah, the selling, Karen, comes on concern over central bank tightening. The S&P slid 2.5% yesterday. Only home builders, healthcare, and oil and gas companies posted gains. And the commodity space could be set up for more gains in the new year. That's the view of uh, Goldman Sachs head of commodity research, Jeff Curry. What happens when China, the largest commodity consumer in the world, the largest oil importer in the world, begins to rebound significantly in the first part of next year? It's going to tighten all of these markets tremendously and put a lot of upward pressure on prices. Jeff Curry with Goldman Sachs thinks commodities will be the best performing asset class in 2023. 
Well, global stocks, meantime, Nathan, are headed for a weekly slide as the Fed, Bank of England, and European Central Bank dash hopes for more dovish policy. Megan Green, global chief economist at Kroll Institute, says central banks and markets seem to be working against each other. The Fed is effectively saying we're really serious, guys, to the markets. And the markets keep uh, trying to call their bluff, I think both hoping that inflation will come down faster, but also expecting a recession at some point in the middle of the year and questioning how strong the Fed's resolve really is to continue keeping policy tight. Megan Green with Kroll Institute made the comments on Bloomberg's Balance of Power with David Weston. Catch the show weekdays at noon Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and Television. And Asia overnight, Karen, market sentiment was risk-off as well in reaction to the week's central bank moves. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has the details from Hong Kong. Asian stocks traded mixed to lower as investors wrestled with hawkish central banks. Shares in Hong Kong and mainland China reversed early losses, while U.S. futures were relatively stable. The threat of U.S. delisting eased for about 200 companies from Hong Kong and China, and that aided sentiment. And China pledged to implement new measures for the property sector. Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Brian, thanks. Turning to politics now, top Democrats in Congress are backing Joe Biden in 2024. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer both tell CNN that President Biden should run for re-election, even as some Democrats urge the party to elevate a younger generation of leaders. He's a person with a great vision for our country. He's been involved for a long time, so he has great knowledge of the issues and the challenges we face. In an interview on CNN, Pelosi said Biden has been a great president, and Schumer added he'd support Biden all the way. Staying in D.C., Karen, Congress appears to be getting impatient with security concerns over China's influence on TikTok. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has that story. Congress is working on two bills that would limit or ban the use of TikTok in the U.S. The first is the one that passed the Senate this week, banning the use of the platform on government-owned mobile phones. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she doesn't know if the House can get to it this session. The second is Marco Rubio's bill that would totally ban the website. Rubio says he is very concerned about China's control and access to users' private information. The move to do something has definitely picked up steam. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. Turning to Twitter now, Elon Musk is making moves again to regulate content on the platform. Twitter is now suspending the accounts of several journalists. And Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with that story. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. People in the news business made the news when Twitter blocked accounts of reporters from the New York Times, the Washington Post, and other outlets. Elon Musk says they were denied access for tracking private jets, including his. Musk describes sharing that information as basically assassination coordinates, even though his jet can be tracked by using publicly available flight data. The Twitter boss then conducted a poll asking users when he should reinstate those accounts who disclosed his exact location, the majority voting to remove the bans immediately. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Steve, thanks. We have more news from uh, Elon Musk's other company, Tesla. A day after he sold more shares, Tesla announced it's ramping up SUV production at its Austin, Texas factory. We get that story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It's a sign that the electric car maker is making up for lost time at the money-losing plant. 
Tesla shared the new production number in a tweet. The milestone comes a week after Bloomberg News reported that CEO Elon Musk had asked the head of the company's China division to get the Austin factory up to speed. Extrapolated out over a year, that production rate would get Tesla to about 156,000 vehicles, which is still short of the annual target of 250,000 that the company promoted in its third quarter letter to shareholders. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Right, Charlie, thanks. And more news out of the Bahamas on disgraced FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried. After a judge denied a request for bail, the former CEO made a new bail application before the Bahamas Supreme Court. That's according to Reuters. Local media reports say the bail application is set to be heard in mid-January. S&P futures are down 49 points this morning. Dow futures down 387. NASDAQ futures down 108. And the euro 1.0627 against the dollar. Bitcoin this morning is down two and a quarter percent at $17,000. Straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 607 on Wall Street. Rain continuing 44 degrees in Central Park. We're only going up to near 50 today. And we're not going to see this rain go away until later on this evening as we get down to the mid 30s. Amy Morris has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Nathan. New York City is cracking down on illegal, unlicensed cannabis products. Authorities have seized more than 100,000 items worth more than $4 million in an effort to clear the way for licensed vendors as the state tries to legalize and tax the marijuana market. COVID cases, hospitalizations and deaths are all on the rise following Thanksgiving gatherings. Epidemiologist Eric Feigelding says that the biggest jump is in New York City. New York City is seeing the fastest surge of cases. They're not just high transmission, but they're all uh, they're also at high community levels and wastewater surging also in New York City. Dr. Feigelding tells ABC that you should wear a mask on public transit or whenever you're out in public. The Senate has passed a one-week government funding bill intended to avert a Saturday shutdown. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says the extension will let lawmakers finish negotiations for next year's spending. No drama, no gridlock, No government shutdown this week. It's a win for the American people. The bill gives negotiators until December 23rd to hash out agreements on the roughly $1.7 trillion of fiscal 2023 spending. The state of New York is banning pet stores from selling dogs, cats, and rabbits. Pet stores fought against this bill. They argue it would effectively put them out of business. The New York Times reports the aim is to stop the so-called puppy mill pipeline. The ban takes effect at the end of 2024. As the U.S.-Africa Leader Summit comes to a close, Secretary of State Antony Blinken reaffirmed the U.S. commitment to providing aid for African nations impacted by famine and conflict. Much of this assistance has gone to African countries, which have been disproportionately impacted by the drivers of hunger, COVID, climate, and conflict, and by President Putin's war on Ukraine, which has made a serious crisis much worse. Blinken says the United States has provided more than $11 billion in the past year to address global hunger and improve nutrition. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thanks, Amy. 
6.09 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, thanks, Nathan. The Yankees have now checked off the first two items on their off-season to-do list. Number one, keep Aaron Judge. Number two was add a quality starting pitcher, and they've now done that. With the initiative, Carlos Radon, 30-year-old lefty, gets a six-year deal for $162 million. He's been an all-star twice. The last two seasons, first with the White Sox, and then this past one with the Giants, his ERA was under three. Next on the Yankee shopping list could be an outfielder. At the Garden, Rangers scored once in each period. The last two by Jimmy VC. They made it five wins in a row. 3-1 over Toronto. In Newark, the Devils got an early goal from Jack Hughes, his 16th. But Philadelphia got 48 saves from Carter Hart. The Flyers won 2-1, to and that's the Devils' fourth loss in a row. The Knicks, who won Wednesday in Chicago in overtime, play there again tonight. Knicks have won their last five. The Nets are winners of four straight, eight of nine, and they're in Toronto. Steph Curry won't play for Golden State in Philadelphia. He's going to miss a few weeks with an injured shoulder, and the defending NBA champs are under 500 with Curry. Now they're going to be without him. 49ers, meanwhile, stay red hot. Their seventh win in a row in Seattle. Looks right, comes left, throws down the sideline, wide open, George Kittle. 30, 20, cuts inside, 10, cuts inside again. Touchdown! San Francisco! Yeah, it's game VR. Second of two touchdown hookups between the rookie Brock Purdy, who continues to win with George Kittle. The Niners won 21-13. They've clinched the NFC West. Seahawks, meanwhile, have lost four out of the last five. That helps the Giants. They're in contention with Seattle for the last two NFC playoff spots. Also battling is Washington. The Giants visit on Sunday night. There are three NFL games tomorrow. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? I take it there was a touchdown in San Francisco. Yes, that's the 49er call, yeah. Indeed. Thank you, John. And the Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Risk assets are getting tackled this morning. S&P futures are down 44 points. Dow futures down 367. NASDAQ futures on the decline by 93 points. Good morning. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. 612 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Let's get you right back to the market action this morning. Definite risk off. We're joined now by Michael Hewson, the chief market analyst at CMC Markets. Michael, it's great to speak with you, and it feels as though this market is coming to grips with the idea that when central banks say that rates are going to stay higher for longer, they mean it. Is that the right read? Well, I think it's certainly the read that Christine Lagarde would uh, like the markets to take away from what the ECB intends to do next year. I'm not so sure they believe Chair Powell so much. And for me, this is really a data story, Nathan. Um, I think the ECB comes across as more credible simply because there is no clear delineation between the data that's coming out of the Eurozone and the central bank's outlook when it comes to rates, whereas in the U.S., the Fed is much more ahead of the curve. CPI has been coming down consistently since June. So the markets can focus on a data point and extrapolate from that whether or not they think um, Powell is being serious. They can't really do that with Christine Lagarde because there's no 
clear evidence that inflation in the eurozone has peaked, even though I think it probably has. So do you think then that uh, Chairman Powell, with his rhetoric, is trying to talk this market down and that uh, the, the summary of economic projections that the Fed has put forward is more of a rhetorical device than an actual thought of what the Fed thinks that the economy is actually going to go? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, that is exactly what I'm saying. I think um, he, he's, he's finding it very difficult to communicate to the markets that the Fed is serious about tackling inflation because the market is looking at the numbers and thinking the Fed is going to pivot sometime next year. I don't think the Fed are going to pivot next year, and simply on the basis of the fact that if you look at the inflation numbers, they are trending lower. I think the market is slowly coming to the realization that it's going to be much more difficult to do that in Europe and the UK. And I think in, in a way, Christine Lagarde has actually done Powell a little bit of a favor because ultimately, I think when you actually look at the data in the euro area, it's much harder to make the argument that inflation has topped out. It is easier to make the argument that inflation has topped out in the U.S. It's really about how quickly it comes down and how high rates are like how 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 high rates are likely to stay. And in the ECB forecasts, they don't project that inflation is going to fall back to two percent much before 2025. I mean, that is quite sobering. So what does that mean for risk assets heading into 2023? Does this make the U.S. Uh, more investable than Europe? What's your view on that? No, I mean, I think in terms of the overall trends, it's going to make it much more difficult for U.S. markets to break out of the downtrend that they've been in for quite some time. Also, yesterday's U.S. economic data wasn't great. The U.S. is heading for a slowdown. The bigger question is whether or not the Fed can deliver a soft landing. And I'm not sure we're really going to know that until such times as we get the first set of earnings that come out from the U.S. in the middle of January. I think J.P. Morgan on the 13th of January could give us a fairly decent insight into the health of the U.S. consumer. Those weak retail sales numbers yesterday weren't a good look. Weak industrial production, um, those weak... Um, Philly Fed service, Empire Manufacturing Service, also are pointing to a significant softening in the U.S. economy. If you then extrapolate that across to U.S. stocks, export markets, namely Europe and China, then you've got to prepare yourself for the potential for some earnings downgrades, which markets aren't necessarily pricing quite yet. So in our last minute here, Michael, what sectors are you looking for to make their way through a potential slowdown or even uh, as many market analysts see it as the potentiality for a recession next year? Well, I'm I'm looking to basically rotate back into cash. I think it's going to be a very difficult first quarter, first half of next year. And I think you could potentially see a bit of a rebound in the second half. So for me, I'm very much buy on the dips, put money into cash simply because yields now are much more attractive. If you look at the U.S. 10-year, you know, that's still around about 3.5%. And if you actually look at what yields are doing now, particularly in the U.S., they're fairly stable compared to what's happening in Europe. So for me, I'm looking looking to buy dips um, more than anything else and sitting on cash for the first two to three months of next year. A defensive view this morning for Michael Hewson. Chief Market Analyst, CMC Markets. Uh, Michael, always great to get your thoughts. Thanks for this.
S&P futures right now down 43 points. Dow futures down 352, and NASDAQ futures are lower uh, by 90 points. DAX in Germany down nine-tenths percent. The CAC in Paris is lower by one and a third percent. Ten-year treasuries down 12.30 seconds, yield 3.49 percent. NYMEX crude down 2.3 percent at 74.35 a barrel. The euro 1.0633 against the dollar. Bitcoin down two and a quarter percent around 17,000. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.